Blog Talk Radio. all on me it's all on me uh so whenever we have crappy connections it's always because of my fucking computer i think uh my connection so uh so just uh you guys don't know this because uh you're just listening now but we almost uh had to bail again so but i thought someone got to figure it out so uh <clears throat> so that's that's great uh i just love blog talk radio i just keep saying that to myself I love you. I love you, Blog Talk Radio. Speaking of Valentine's Day, I love you, Blog Talk Radio. <laughs> <laughs> From the people's It has the virtue of being water. free-ish. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I wish it was completely free now, or, you know, I'd get something, you know, some money back or something. I don't know. It's got to mm-hmm. give me something. So From the People's Republic of Minnesota, Meg and Hawaii, Stewart. Uh, welcome to In the Closet Objectivists. I'm Corey, and we got both of the uh, both of our peeps here, Stuart and uh, and Meg. Aloha, Stuart. How are you? Aloha. I was hoping that you would be calling Hi, in. Um, uh, we almost had yeah. So Stuart, you just found out I, I we almost had a critical uh, malfunction, and I had to just uh, quickly reboot. And it's kind of funny because we were talking, and all of a sudden before the show just. Boom, we were talking about stuff and catching up on whatever. And and all of a sudden, I just, Meg couldn't hear me and I couldn't hear her. And it was like one minute to showtime. And yeah, anyway, we're we're back, we're good to go and and we're, we're running and, and, and that kind of thing. So, oh, anyway, um, you guys doing okay? More or less, I could be healthier, but um, we're doing good. I should say and, we're doing should- well. How- I, I, I'm doing great. I should mention uh, we might cut the show short tonight. Meg's a little bit feeling under the weather, and I, uh, I, I'm, I've had a crazy busy week with all kinds of crap going on. So, you know, we'll, we'll see. Meg can you know dump out whenever, and and we'll see how it goes there. So, um, yeah. So we'll we'll see. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Valentine's Day ish issues and that kind of thing. But first, we got to start out. Housekeeping. No, thank you. Sleeping. Housekeeping? Just come back in an hour. Housekeeping, you want towels? I want towels. Need sleepy. Housekeeping, you want men for pillow? Please go away. Let me sleep for the love of God. 
Does that kind of stall out a little bit to you guys at all? I, it kind of hesitates. Do you guys notice that at all? I I haven't. Okay, okay. I didn't know if it was just uh, if it was a thing with 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 me, um, where all of a sudden it'll kind of like in parts of the whatever the the song or the 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 whoever's talking will kind of lag down a little bit. I don't know if you guys have noticed that or not, but anyway, it's it's um, it's another thing with blog tech. I'm I'm assuming. So anyway. Uh, okay, great. So you guys can find us on Stitcher, iTunes, and the TuneIn Radio app, and of course, Blog Talk. Follow us there. Uh, Patreon, if you would uh, love or help help us out in any way financially, certainly do that. Uh, Patreon.com/slash Corey Bomb. And again, um, anything, any help is appreciated. Otherwise, you don't have to do any of that stuff. Just we appreciate you listening to the show and getting some sort of enjoyment. Uh, whatever it might be, I'm just glad people are out there listening. I forgot to, to launch the chat here, and I don't know if I can do it while I uh, – I'm going to see if I can do it. Actually, yes, I can. Okay, so I, I'm la- launching the chat right now, so you guys can get in if anyone is out there listening on Blog Talk. Usually you might have one or two people, sometimes Stuart's in there. And, uh, yeah, so we got that going. And I just wanted to say – also, I still want to say – uh, thanks one more time to, um, you know, uh, Stephen Macklin for the objectivist365.com website. I, got, I figure I'd probably better say thank you to him a couple of times. You know what I mean? Make sure that everybody yeah, is aware. Yeah. He's doing an amazing job. And in fact, um, both he and I talked to um, um, one of the people at ARI about um, expanding and um you know, uh, parsing the Objectivist 365 challenge um, even broader. So, um, awesome. so yeah, stay tuned for that. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, keep us. I'm not exactly sure in what form that's ultimately going to present itself, but um, we've we talked about a bunch of ideas. Um, so, yeah, cool. that's, that was that was really flattering and um, really cool. Awesome. Well, you guys bang it out. Do what you got to do, and I'm, yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing what you guys come up with. It'll be it'll be pretty cool. So, yeah. uh, news headline. I I don't know if this, this isn't something. I I don't know if I really would want this to be true. Okay, but uh, you know, I, you know, I, and again, I'm not sure if this is a compliment because everywhere I went today, people kept saying to me, "You, sir, put the VD in Valentine's Day." And I don't know what that <laughs> means. If that means if that is that good, Meg or bad? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I think it I might depends be, I think on what <laughs> Yeah. Well, especially if it's in the setting of a physician's office, that's concerning. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, it, it, okay, Stuart, we're going to go with you next. What do you got for a headline, buddy? Um, well, my headline is all these years, the lyrics to the song were actually, let's get metaphysical. <laughs> that's, uh, that's perfect. Yeah. I mean, that's, I like it. If that were Maybe true, should... the, the music video would have been a lot better. <laughs> I was a fan of that video. 
right, might Mike, be the only got? one. Yeah, maybe. Um, I'm an 80s guy. Singles Awareness Day is the most celebrated holiday on the planet. Okay. It's the most. Uh, you have to re- repeat that again. Repeat that again. Sorry. Again. Sorry. Yeah, I'm speaking through a cold. Um, my fake news headline is that Singles Awareness Day is the single most celebrated holiday. Okay, Singles Awareness. Okay. All right, perfect. Perfect. Are people unaware of them? Well, they, I, I mean, maybe they are aware, unaware of it, but, you know, I don't think it's quite as celebrated as its competitor, Valentine's Day. No. No, it, it, we need to beef that up. Maybe we should throw that in the objective of 365 and make a 366 challenge. Okay, says the the one third of this show who actually is married. <laughs> yeah, one fourth because Garrett is on board here with us. Oh, sweet. <laughs> Garrett, what's going on? Oh, not too much. So, uh, you got anything? Uh, you got a headline or no? Well, um, today is Frederick Douglass's 200th birthday. That's right. So, yeah, that's headline. the real news headline. Make it, well, sorry. Uh, <laughs> can we make it a national holiday? Maybe, how about that? Make that a national holiday. Yeah. Yeah, I, hey, we're pretty, like I said before, we're pretty fast and loose with the headlines. They, they don't always have to be, they don't have to be <laughs> fake. They can be whatever, you know. It's, uh, it's fake, the way it real is, news you know? headlines. Fake, real, whatever you you know. I you know I, I'm not uh, I'm not a a Nazi about uh, about the headlines. So are you a Soviet about the headlines? Headline that would be my <laughs> fake news headline. Corey Baum is a Nazi about his fake news headlines. <laughs> yeah, I mean, why not? Everybody else is called a Nazi these days. Might as well add that in too. So what the hell? Mm. Not a Nazi, a Soviet about the headlines. Since they're fake headlines, they're actually you're Putinist about the headlines. Since they're fake news, <laughs> that makes you Putinist. Oh, you yeah. did not. I don't like. You're trying to influence about calling people Nazis. Stuart, you're trying to influence our show here, uh, so let's uh, let's watch out here. I, I don't need to be influenced so I'm med- anymore I'm than I already am. Yeah, you're med- you're meddling in my fake news. Yeah, exactly. I might I might show. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So, so yeah. I mean, Meg, you you came up with the the topic, and it's appropriate, right? Because it is the fourteenth, and I'm not really doing anything like romantic. But uh, today, I mean, this is as romantic <laughs> as I get. So, <laughs> uh, but uh, but so um, I, I I was just thinking about this before you know we we started, and I'm like, you know, objectivism ties in with with like every holiday, right? Because if you just take a Valentine's Day and you say, well. Valentine's Day is the love of productivity, right? Like being productive and working and being rational and being reason-based. And I mean, you could just tie that right in with the. It ties right in nicely with the objectivist philosophy. I was just I was just thinking about like Thanksgiving, you know, producers' holiday, and you know all these other holidays, and you could just objectivism just fits right in there. It's almost like, it's almost like you know, it, it should just be. Uh, uh, Objectivist holidays, all of these, you know. Even though I don't yeah. know Valentine's Day is a holiday, but I don't know. That's kind of 
Corey, most people would say it's the opposite. Most people say Thanksgiving is the day you thank God. Yeah, this they would. Not, but you know, Jessica. Right. Christmas. But, you know, Christmas, we about, Christmas celebrates Christ, who who gave his sacrifice, his life for everyone. Yeah, isn't that funny though? How you can turn that? I mean, how they, you know, you can just turn it to be the right way to think about things, being an objectivist. You know what I mean? Maybe yeah, you're that's doing a really, really good point. Maybe you're being an objectivist doing cultural appropriation. Maybe you're yeah. trying to culturally appropriate all of these. We're trying to take them, yeah. Well, you know. I wouldn't say sometimes culturally you... appropriate so much as improve. There you go. That's a good. That's good. <laughs> I like well, that. well, the holidays are much better when the pagans owned them and the Christians stole them anyway. So oh. maybe you're just taking them back. So. Yeah, this is yeah. It's like version 3.0, and it's definitely you know major upgrade 3.0. from the previous 3.0. iteration. That's what I said. What 1.0 is the biggest version? I said 3.0. Pretty sure. I heard 3.0. I think. Anyway. Okay. So somebody's got to say so something. So yeah, like All I right. said, uh, like a like a major upgrade from the previous iteration. Perfect. Yep. Bang, zoom, let's lock it up right there, right there. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, so anyway, about Valentine's Day, you know, the love of production. That's that's what I think of, the love of productivity and uh, the love mainly of reason. So I think, uh, you know, that's just kind of one of the couple of the things I, I came up with or came to the top of my head just as I was starting to think about it a little bit more before we but as I was kind of writing my my notes down here, so I don't know. Yeah. What do you guys? What, what do you? What do you yeah, I mean, think about a, I mean, like I think I might have mentioned this on a previous podcast. So I apologize if I'm rehashing it all. But as you guys know, I I fall asleep to romance audiobooks. I'm not proud of that. I don't like that about myself. But it does. It is incredibly soporific. And I do need to get to sleep quickly so I can get to sleep before a beautiful little girl wakes me up super early in the morning. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't obviously get a lot out of these books, but I've noticed a couple of things, right? Um, one of them is that the drama of the whole story seems to revolve around something that could, that could be resolved with five minutes of adult conversation. But somehow they just can't say what's wrong. So it takes like hundreds of pages and a bunch of coincidences for it to like magically resolve itself. This does not strike me as good communication. You all know that I am no genius when it comes to romance or relationships. I would be the first to admit that. But... I'm told that communication is important to a lasting relationship. So yeah, that's a little the bit. idea a that these <laughs> thank you. So like the uh, idea that these that these characters are gonna find they're happily ever after together when they when it takes them hundreds of pages to resolve instead of like a five minute conversation seems implausible to me. Yeah. And and like there's. Like they feel so there's there's really it, it's always ineffable 
right, why they're together, right? Like they were attracted to each other's arms or something. Usually yeah. it's some sort of physical appeal, but there's really nothing distinguishing about these characters. They they have a job, I guess, but it's very ancillary to the story. And, you know, the, the characters from one story to another are pretty much interchangeable. So, again, you know, most people don't have amazing arms their entire life. So if that's sort of the basis of attraction. I don't know. I... There's some nice arms in this world. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, most people by the time they're 80, if they are still married, their arms aren't great. They're, they're no. not, like, their main attraction. So, again, this whole idea of, like, a happily ever after, if that's the basis of a relationship, Seems impossible to me. Not a genius yeah, in a relationship, but that yeah. you know, yeah, just throw that like, out there. You see that? Yeah, TV shows and movies and stuff, and like, why are they together? It's like exactly like it's just physical attraction, and then and then that, and then but there's no like. See, like I like Rand's philosophy, like when you know you kind of have to earn it. You know, you gotta. Be productive. You got to have. Well, I mean, obviously, you got to be able to get along. You know, and and you know, uh, have mutually shared values, whatever. But like, you have to be able to kind of earn it. You can't just be. It's like, oh, I'm just, I love you, and then that's it, and you don't have to do anything, and you can just sit on the couch and eat Oreos, and you know, don't have to work, or you don't have to really do. You know, I just love you, and it's like, that's like what is supposed to be this ideal, like that, you know, and it's like. No, you kind of have to, you kind of have to earn it a little bit, you know, and you kind of have to work on, and you know, improving yourself and, and having, you know, goals and uh, that kind of thing. Don't, I mean, I, I can't imagine, I wouldn't want someone to love me just because they felt like, well, it's my obligation. You have great arms. Yeah. And I have great arms. They're, they're a little hairy, but that's okay. I can shave them. Uh, but, you know, I mean, it's, it's, but it's, I, I don't know. I, I don't want, like, ever since I've kind of started thinking or, you know, uh, becoming objectivist is like, I don't desire the unearned. So if I'm not earning what it is, whatever it is, if it's love or whatever, you know, I, sh- I don't want it. You know, I, it's not that I don't want it, but I don't think I should, you should, you know, love me or whatever, because you loved me 10 years ago for something that we were, you know what I mean? And then all of a sudden it drops off and, well, it's your duty to love me still, so you know what I mean. So, like, no, yeah, you should, yeah, you should kind of be working at it a little and earning it, you know. Yeah, I mean, working at it for your own sake, but you yeah, know what I mean. At, like, one, you know, yeah. it's not unreasonable to hope that one of the benefits of being your best self is that you're going to be loved for being your best self. Um, again. I, I can't stress this enough. I'm not a genius when it comes to relationships, but that kind of seems reasonable. Um, and I, I'm sorry if I've mentioned this before. I, you know, we're. I think you guys are all doing the the Atlas Project, right? So you're following along with the story. And I just, I was so struck by an early scene between, you know, Dagny and Hank, where they're talking about all the things that 
weird metal will do, right? It's going to be um, to steel what steel, steel was to iron or bronze. You know what I mean? It's just going to be yeah. incredible. And so they're like, they're imagining all of the ways it's going to improve yeah. human life. It's, it's like this, it's this is this whole new world, this, this brilliant future sort of spreading out before their feet, you know? And, and I thought that was just such a beautiful theme that, that, you know, they're so driven and productive and, and imaginative and benevolent, you know what I mean? That they, they can see what they do is, is such a value to human life. And, and, and that's, that's what draws them together. And it was, like I said, that was just so beautiful and so unlike any other romantic scene I've ever encountered, you know, just that, just this joyous, amazing vision for the future. Um, yeah, yeah I, I, I can't really stress that enough. It's just, it's so beautiful. What were you going to say, Corey? Well, I just, yeah, I mean, to, to have, <clears throat> when you hear, when you hear scenes like that, <clears throat> that they're, they're looking at, because a lot of people think, well, they, they, a lot of people that are there that uh, read Rand or, or I talked to you about objectivism, are like you're treating this like it's a, a project or like it's, you know, it's not love. You're, you're, you're like, it's, why are you saying profit? Why are you saying, you know, why are you saying, uh, these things it's so foreign to people they it's not soft words uh you know that you know they're in you know like with what we're talking about with with Dagny and Reardon envisioning this product that can improve all these and they're they're falling you know in love about over this 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 uh uh the, the product that they're going to be you know putting out and improving people's lives and 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 but you know people don't think of love and most people don't think of love that way. They think of it as just this, uh, you know, sacrificial or whatever. Um, I don't know how, how exactly I want to say this, but like they, they, they don't see it as a bonding over, over something like that. They see it as a bonding over, you know, they're very attractive and, you know, and, you know, they, they both, you know, are on the beach running around and, you know, it's, it's not like, it's not really a value of work. It's, it's more of a, I don't know. It's, it just doesn't come together like, like it does with Atlas and, and Dagny and, 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 and Reardon. Uh, yeah. And, yeah. And, and people know. think, I think people tend to think that you, cause and Ayn Rand stresses um, independence as, as one of the virtues. That doesn't mean that, you know, a romantic relationship doesn't include, you know, um, two people helping each other achieve their life-promoting goals. Indeed, it's one of the major reasons why Hank and Dagny get, I mean, this is not super spoilery, um, get together is because they're like the only two people holding up the entire world as everyone else seems to be intent on destroying it. They're trying so hard to keep the whole world from flinging itself into a dark age. Um, that's, to put it mildly, really stressful. And they desperately need each other's support and spiritual fuel. 
um, you know, that doesn't mean they're not strong, productive, independent people, um, but they understand, you know, their their own needs in order mm-hmm. to be exactly those strong, independent, productive people. Yeah. I have a question for Corey. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you your opinion on this because over the past few years, I've been hearing a lot of feminists like Aeneas Sarkeesian say that this idea that love is something you earn is actually something that makes men very pushy and rapey. <laughs> yeah, she yeah, okay. says it goes like this. Okay, so the idea is Love and sex is something a man can earn from a woman. So he asks her, well, what does she like? What does she, what does she think a, a great, sexy man will do? And she yeah. tells him. So then he does it. So he does all those things. Then he thinks, yeah. okay, now I'm owed love and sex. And yet, and yet that the woman he's, whom he's attracted doesn't, is still not attracted to him because you just can't predict that. So then he sees, so then the man is like, oh, I'm, oh, I did what I'm supposed to do. Therefore, I'm owed a debt. Debt is love and uh-huh. sex. Now I'm not being given what I am owed. And Mister Keaton says that's what makes men feel turn into um, entitled Elliot Roger types. I think they were entitled to begin with, and that's the real problem. I mean, I've heard, I've heard men say stuff like that before. Um, in fact, I've heard it put very crudely, right? Like, there were kids in college who, who'd say, well, I took her to dinner. I paid for the bitch. I mean, mm-hmm. that, that's a direct mm-hmm. quote. And, and I'm right. like, okay, where to begin with that? Let's start mm-hmm. with the idea that someone says to you, uh, I'm not that interested, and you still yeah. want to have sex with them? I mean, I just that is not compatible with good self-esteem, right? I mean, the goal, I think, should be, like, to legitimately say, wow, I do a great job at work every day. I am, you know, I'm an awesome person. People should, you know, you know, people I value should be excited to be around me. If they're not... I think their judgment is off, and that's not a kind of person I want to be intimate with. You know, and it takes a lot of work to to have that kind of confidence and self-esteem and and, and to engage in that level of self-care. It's not, you know, there there are people who try to fake it, but, and maybe they convince themselves a little bit, but to to be genuinely sanguine in who you are, to be secure in your own skin, that's a real effort, you know? And if you haven't made it, I think that's the only way you could say, hmm, she's really not into me, but this is the only way I'm going to get it, so I'm going to try to, you know, manipulate her into giving it up to me. That's so tragic. Well, and it happens a lot, though. I mean, too, unfortunately. um, And again, it's Part of the, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm no, okay, first of all, I'm no expert, okay? So whatever I, you know, I've been out of the dating scene for a very long time and, you know, all that stuff. So don't, 
you know, I don't know. But what I'll just say is I think a lot of, a lot of guys just, um, they're, uh, they don't have a lot of self-esteem, right? So their self-esteem comes from getting, I, I've had friends <clears throat> that their self-esteem comes from betting as many women. That's where they, and I don't know that this is true self-esteem, right? It's not, it's not in the objectivist sense, but to people, it's just about conquering for the, for some of my well, friends, I guess that, you know, that's part of the deal. It's just say what you got to say. And I don't know where that comes from. I don't, I, I don't know. I can't, I'm no expert. I, like I said, I just, <clears throat> so, you know, uh, say, you know, doing those, those things, I, I, I don't, and, and, and to speak to the gals, if I remember correctly, Stuart, when you, uh, when, when they say, you know, do this, this, and this, and then I'll sleep with you or whatever we can do stuff, whatever it is. And then they do that. And then she's like, well, no, you know, she, what, what did she say? Something like, I don't want to, she said about changes their mind or whatever. Uh, you know, it, it almost seems to me like it's a, um, it's a power play by the women to control the men. I don't know if, if I'm, if I'm off track, let me know. Cause I could be, but, um, uh, that's kind of my, my initial thought on it. Um, but I'd have to think more, you know what I mean? It's, that's a tough one. I mean, it can be a tough one. Yeah, so. I, I'm sure. I'm sure there's every different kind of context, right? I'm sure in some cases it's a power play in some cases, you know, when it gets down to it, he just comes off as like super needy and that, for a lot of people is not actually that attractive. Um, yeah. 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 I mean, none of those situations are, are great or particularly and, yeah. romantic in my view. And you got, exactly. And you got to remember, you know, Stuart and, and, and Garrett and, and Meg, I, I, I come from a different, I come from people that are not even close to objectivists. Okay. That they don't think, they don't understand really what self-confidence. They don't know these things. They're um, like, like I said, I, I have friends that just, you know, they, 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 their whole goal is get as many. Well, it, we're getting older now, but it was in the earlier days get as many women as you could and da 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 and have fun and not think, you know, not too many thinking uh, uh, thoughts. I'm sorry, not too much thought going on into their own long-term self-interest or values long-term. It's just, it was all, it was all whim. It was all just immediate satisfaction of whatever needs. And so there was really not a lot of that. And and I was guilty years ago of the same thing, right? I, you know, that's kind of what we all ran in this circle and we all had fun and we just had, you know, that, you know, that was kind of my thing too. A lot. So it wasn't until, you know, I kind of, started thinking more and you know what I mean? Like later on in life. And uh, even what, before I was considered myself an objectivist, I was with my wife and we, you know, it was just still fine, but it's just, it's, I understand more now, you know, than I ever did uh, when it comes to real self-esteem. Real well, values. Corey, I'm, I'm curious um, because I mean, you were dating before. Okay. Cupid. Right. So, Oh, yeah, I, I, I didn't have of, any, there was no, I didn't do any apps or, you know, I didn't have any, I mean, yeah. it was, the internet was pretty new. I, 
I bring that up because, like, I've had some really strange encounters. Um, I don't know if I ever told you guys, like, there was one OkCupid date where um, I would, you know, I I typically ask sort of open-ended questions to get to know a person, and my date would respond to every single open-ended question with the word no. Um, huh. So, for example, I, I'd say, what's your theme song? Theme song, and the person would say, no. <laughs> like, that's not a theme that's song. weird. <laughs> it was so bizarre. I, yeah. I've gotten, when I was on OkCupid, okay I, I got pinged by someone who, who the first the person doesn't know me from Eve, right? First thing they say to me is, oh, you may have a PhD, but I have an MD, but I'll forgive you. To which I said, delete, and just block them. But, you know, I was telling my friends about this, and just like, why why would the first thing you say to a stranger be insulting? Especially if you're trying to date them. And they said, you know what's sad is that that probably works. It could be a, a lot of a lot of people are really just awkward. They don't know how to. They're just kind of awkward, right? They they just they think they're saying something kind of clever, but it comes out wrong and that kind of thing too. I would assume. I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, but I've I've heard and you know, tell me if I've 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 just been misled or not. I've heard that that's a strategy with some people is to insult someone they like. Um, yeah. You know, and and that it works, right? The you, the other person says, "Oh, well, I got to prove them wrong," and so they end up going out and working really hard to try to like convince this person that they really are well, great or something. Well, that goes back that goes back to when you're in kindergarten and you pull the tug on the girl's hair. You know what I mean? And like you're just that's how you and you really like her, you know, and you know you're five six years old. And that's the only way you can really you don't even really know anything about anything but that's kind of how you say to a girl that you like her when you're really when you're really young you know you, you know, so it's basically an older version of you know uh, what you're saying is well it's a younger version of insulting you know when you're in kindergarten whatever but then as guys grow up they still don't really grow up all the way i mean they still they think you know they think well you got to be this way to get the girl and you got to kind of be you know you can't show emotion or whatever it is. And they have this certain way about them and, you know, it could be some guys. Yeah, and like I, I, I don't understand that why, why that's accepted either. You know, my, one of my friends has a, has a young son. I think he's seven now. Um, but she, she made this point that, you know, what are we saying if at six it's, you know, it's just cute when they when they kick a girl on the shins. And, you know, at 12, you know, you say something insulting to a girl you like. Um, but at 18, you know, kicking them or insulting them is not acceptable. No, let's be consistent <laughs> in our message here. That these are not so, acceptable behaviors so, at any age. So don't, okay, I'm going to write this down. So don't kick girls <laughs> to get Jason. <laughs> I'm going to write that down, Meg. Thank you. <laughs> I don't know. Hey, guys, what do you got? To, what, what do you think? I mean, are, but first of all, Stuart, was I anywhere near the right track? With, with I don't know if I answered you right or not. So you have to give me some some feedback. 
Yeah, yeah, I think that actually love and sex is something old, but we see, I think that um, that whole argument from Lee Sarkeesian is this big straw man, and it's um, a false alternative. You know, basically, the, you know, basically, if you what she's saying is that if you think love is something you earn, then it means being like that. In reality. You know when you keep when you keep you know we keep showing your love to someone and that person doesn't reciprocate doesn't mean oh you know it's entirely it's entirely legitimate you know to feel disappointed about that but it doesn't mean you know turning to Elliot Roger what it means is you reevaluate and think well, okay this is not really a good situation it's something I, to which I can extricate myself. And of course, I don't. I don't think that's easy. You know, sometimes it's very easy to get hung up on someone. But in the long term, when you're in that kind of situation, you extricate yourself from it. It's not that difficult. I mean, not. Yeah. It's not that complicated. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. When it, you know, again, you know, this is not my area of expertise, but as I understand it, in divorce court, if if there are certain very clear, reasonable expectations in a marriage and one person is is not is not demonstrating reciprocity right if if they're you know unfaithful or just don't do anything um but you know are supported and um the law recognizes that that's not fair and it's not okay mm-hmm. um you know I, I mean the you know there, there is only so much the, the law can do to intercede, and I think that's fair, right? I mean, I think you have right. to be your own advocate in a relationship, and and yes. and yep. if if you're if reciprocity is not a thing, you know, you, you got to vote with your feet. Um, yeah, and, and and I think that when I don't know when at one point you might want to. Broach this subject with somebody that you're dating or you're married to, whatever, uh, at whatever point you may want, you know, to have these discussions from time to time. And and, and it's hard, too, because, you know, you get into a situation where you're, you know, you just kind of, you, you don't uh, like, you know, being married for so long and you don't really think about, you just are in your, you're in your way. You go to work, you come home, you make dinner, you take care of the kid, whatever they need, da da da. And you don't really think about, well, how's, you know, you got to speak up if there's something that that's bothering you. And, you know, that's uh, I, I, I'm the type that sometimes I, I don't say what's going on the same with my wife. And it's like, well, you know, and then we just kind of forget. And then it's like, Oh wait, we, you know, and then we got to kind of, uh, you know, come well, back around. It can, it's, it, it can be really vulnerable to say what you want. I mean, this is someone you care about, right? You you care about what they think of you. And you know, it's it, it's it's daunting to think that they might think that what you really want is stupid. Um hopefully that's not the case, but you know, it, it is hard sometimes to verbalize what you want, especially if you think it might be stupid. Um mm. And it's hard, yeah. you know, for some of us, it's, it's hard to, to know what we want in order to ask for it in the first place. It's, mm. 
for those of us who struggle with a lack of self-awareness, it's really frustrating. And I'm sure it's yeah. really frustrating to everyone around us. Yeah. Well, it's hard, and it's hard to bring things up if you are worried that it will make the other person angry or sad That's or, or yeah. split the relationship up. It's such a yeah. difficult line, right? Because you're not supposed to be managing anyone else's feelings, but you're also trying not to be an asshole. <laughs> to yeah, put it, and it's um, bluntly. Yeah, but I, th- I think you know, it depends on this. You know, the subject matter, obviously. But yeah, <clears throat> it's it's. Uh, I, I'm no Dr. Ruth or anything. Like, yeah, I mean, I don't know that anybody should you know, take any advice. But, you know, I think, you know, it, it can be something simple like, oh, I would rather go out to Red Lobster tonight or or it can be, you know, I'm, you know, I'm thinking of, you know, leaving you. I mean, that's, <laughs> I mean, it, you know, I mean, I, I think that, you know. Um, yeah, if, if someone's dumping you for taking them to Red Lobster, then uh, you probably have <laughs> bigger problems. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's like just I said, questionable I, taste right there. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, but yeah, I mean, uh, I, I, I'm, I, I hate, I don't like giving out advice per se. I mean, you know, cause I, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm like I said, I'm, I'm no expert. It, it does, uh, it does kind of uh, interest me, you know, about uh, objectivism within relationships and how does that dynamic work and everything. And, uh, you know, achieving, you know, I, I think just, just working on yourself, like Meg said earlier is, is working on yourself, making yourself uh, productive and doing the things that are best for you. Or it's going to, it's just going to, everything just flows from that and, it, and it's relationships. It's also work. It's, you know, your, your kids' lives and everything else. If just by working on yourself and making yourself the best it can be, or you can be and, and productive as you can be. And, uh, that is going to make everybody else see that and, and, you know, emulate that in some degree, or they're going to, they're going to be that much more productive in their own lives. And that's, you're making, you're elevating everybody that way. I don't know if that's. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And that's really easy to see when you say it like that. Um, everything is just so much better when you come home from a job you love as mm-hmm. opposed to one that makes you miserable. And even one that you're, you know, doesn't make you miserable, but is, you know, really boring. Um, you know, it's just the same stupid stuff every day. I mean, I, it, cause I know a lot of people do jobs like that. And I, I just wonder like, what do they talk about when they come home? You know, it's like a whole day that they were just kind of tuned out. Like what, what's to talk about at the end of the day? Don't, yeah. I don't know. Well, I mean, I I mean I could, work isn't the only thing I talk about, but yeah. I do love talking about it. Uh, well, that's, you know, and I don't really, my, my wife will talk to, see, we, we'll talk a little bit about work and stuff, but it's like, you know, it's very, um, it's pretty limited. I mean, because she'll tell me about her day, I'll tell her about mine. And it's usually pretty easy going. I mean, it's whatever is going, oh, she'll complain about one of her coworkers or something. And then I'll, you know, and I'll be like, yeah, this is, 
they want me to do this and that and, 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 and that, you know, kind of get each other up to date on where we're at with our work, but it's not, and it's not every day either. So some days we just don't talk about work at all. And then, you know, we, we just, a lot of times we're, you know, we'll watch a show together and then, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but it's not like, it's not like, you know, we, we just constantly talk, talk, talk. Now it's for me, you know, we have that communication about the kids, about our days. And then it's like, and then, you know, we, we separate that and, and she has a show she wants to watch and I have a show that I want to watch and I do this podcast and, you know, and then, you know, I, I'll do, you know, I'll do the Atlas. She's not doing the Atlas project or anything like that. So I got my books that I read and, and that's, you know, there's, so there's that. I, I like that, that I, I think that's good. It's healthy that we both come together and then go and, and do other things too, separate, you know, yeah. I, I, I think that's totally okay. That's something I've observed about, you know, um, couples who are in happy long-term relationships. They've got their own things that, you know, are not necessarily the passion of the other person, but something that's interesting enough to the other person, they want to hear about it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think yeah, I've totally never dated a biologist, not because I don't love talking shop, but because I'd like learning about other professions even if I have no interest in ever being in another profession. It's just it's interesting to me. Yeah. And I found more so now than than ever before being an objectivist about about learning about other, you know, productive enterprises, uh other other businesses and how they're run and what what's good about them, what's bad about them, you know, and and, and I I really have uh, kind of it's a little bit of a sidebar maybe here, but you know I really have kind of shied away or lost interest in things that are <clears throat> government related jobs. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I used to think, oh, you know, uh, when I was younger, oh, maybe being a cop would be cool, and I, I understand they're needed. Don't okay, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying we don't need cops, but I don't really. I'm not like interested really in that or whatever. I'm like because. You know, I want to to explore and and, and learn about uh, jobs, careers, hobbies, whatever that don't involve government. You know, that are like, you know, whatever that are just private companies, private enterprises, that stuff. Like, how do those pe- how do they function? How do they how do they work? You know, that kind of stuff where. I don't know. Is that weird to you guys at all? Or yeah, yeah. Jobs involve government are getting rarer and rarer. Yeah, and it, it's kind of. I don't mean to insult people that that are in those jobs, but at the same time, it's like, well, I always have, you know, how how do you, how can you if you really think about it, like how can you feel good about like if you think about it, like I'm getting paid from taxpayers, I'm getting paid because of. Uh, the government is forcing others to pay the salaries and, and it's like, how do you know that you're, how do you know that you're worthy really if you work in government? How is the, where's the, how do you know? How do you know? You know what I mean? Is that? Yeah, I, I do know what you mean. Um, and I don't, I don't have an answer. Really. Yeah, I, I mean, but, but Megan, are all the all the romance novels uniformly bad? I mean, every single one. 
Every single one of them is bad in the way that you said? Um, Some are definitely more terrible than others. Um, (laughs) I think that's probably the best I can say for them all. But, you know, that's scary. That says, I think that says something profound about the target market because, um, you know, Joseph Campbell's Molina theory, he probably wouldn't phrase it this way, but I think the implication is that it, when you see the certain plot line recurring throughout the culture when it's in every single story, it's because people on some level think that this is true about human nature. This is, this is how they see the world. So if if... You know, the story always revolves if women keep buying romance novels about how the huge conflict is over this miscommunication that could have been solved in five minutes. The reason why they keep buying this over and over is because that's how they see themselves. That's how they see the world. They think well, that... I mean, honestly, it's worse than that because, you know, like some of, the, some of the most popular romance novels are like... They're, they're very obviously a fantasy, right? Like, a woman happens to meet um, a celebrity on the street. And and I've seen this happen, right, where in, like, every chapter, like, no conflict in the book lasts for more than a chapter. Like, that's how, you, I mean, there, there's, there really is no, like, overarching conflict driving the plot, right? Um, so there's... But I mean, so in a way, you know, you might say, well, that's that's nice, you know what I mean? Like it's just very, very light and not at all upsetting. But the fact that there's 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 nothing that either character is, is pursuing, right? That in itself is a source of conflict. It, there's nothing that the character really has to struggle for, really values enough to struggle for it. Um, that's probably the most disturbing kind of story to me that you know like this is a fantasy that the characters Mm. don't particularly want anything and don't particularly try for anything like how doesn't i I, i'm really struggling with my words here does that make sense like how disturbing i find that yeah but it reminds me well, Garrett, and it reminds me, Garrett, kind of a, a, of this question you put in the Q and A about the malevolent, malevolent universe premise, right? Uh-huh. Where, you know, it, it's basically uh, why bother? You know, the, you're going to die, or you're going to uh, some bad shit's going. You know, it's like basically, you know, you know who lives in this premise? It's Jordan Peterson. You know, it, 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 like it's just everything sucks, and you can never. You know, it's like you, you just whatever. So you just got to do what, whatever you can to, to uh, you know, to you know, basically like avoid the pain or whatever. It's like you, you know. So he presents that as a grand undertaking. Yes, life is suffering, and yet I soldiered on because I'm so awesome. I'm I all do all the suffering. I suffer so much, and I look for meaning, not happiness. And isn't that why I'm so awesome? And, and you know what, Stuart? Uh, you know what? No. What? Oh, oh I said answer. No. See, and that's, you know what? I used to, I shouldn't say I used to, I do like Jordan Peterson, but I'm starting to kind of wear off. It's starting to wear off on me a little bit. Is, are you guys feeling the same or no? You know what really disturbs well, me is that I, I see people slobbering all over him, 
And in every area where he's wrong, he's really wrong. In every single on, on every single point on which he's correct, it's a point that is very trite and which a million other people said more articulately yeah. than he did. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, I'm I, sorry. Think, I think there are, there are these kind of libertarian um, people who, you know, thinkers who get their 15 minutes of fame and, um, you know, Rand Paul had his, Ron Paul had his, and there were a bunch of others. That had and, uh, Milo, whatever his name is, had his. And, um, yeah. You know, I, I think really the takeaway from this, like none of them are, are perfect or, or even great, but the parts where they are good, you know, there is some overlap in, I think, in uh, the conclusions that they've drawn uh, with objectivism. They may have drawn them for the wrong reason, but um, I think that they're, they're tapping into this sense of anger, of outrage, of injustice that exists, um, you know, in in the world today, that that is not being answered, or in the country, that is not being answered by either party. Um, and a lot of these people are finding the Libertarian Party and like desperately trying to find these people who have ideas, who have good ideas. Mm-hmm. And that's really where we, you know, should step in and say, hey, we actually have a full-on, you know, comprehensive philosophy just for you that. Uh, that answers these questions in a rational way. So um, I, I think it's a good thing overall that um, these these people are getting popular. I, I don't I try not to get too into the details of who they are or you know exactly what they you know why they rose to power at this particular time or, or rose to prominence at this particular time. Or not. I think this Jordan Peterson guy he's a psycho- psychology professor uh, from where yeah. I read and he refuse to call a student by their like trans gender pronoun pronoun or or something like that. I'm I'm probably offending a million people saying that. Um, uh, Which is good. That needed to be done. Right. And so there's, there's this, there's undercurrent of people who are like, you know, this, we're getting, this a little too far, this pronoun thing. And so then this guy's willing to stand up for, you know, against, against this, leftist threats of uh, pronoun, you know, <laughs> pronoun assertion. And, everything. and so that's why he, I think he's really hit a nerve. Um, but, you know, he'll, he'll flame out and then, you know, the left will march on and then the next guy will come up. Um, so that, that's my thought. But I think that the important thing is that that undercurrent is there. And if, so, you know, if we can tap into that kind of in the same way, that's how you start getting getting people uh, interested in objective. And that's just it too. I mean, I'll see, I'll see a Jordan Peterson video with 150,000 hits and I'll look at the same, the same, well, I shouldn't say the same video, but a video of Yaron Brook, right. Talking about, he's basically answering everything that, that Peterson's brought up and it's got 450 views. <laughs> I mean, funny, funny that work. I mean, it's actually, you know, he's actually refuting and, and providing a rational defense. I don't, I, it, it's yeah. just, I, I don't know. Go ahead. You know, and I, I think maybe uh, if, if Iran had been a professor and had done the same thing, he could very well have, have tapped into that undercurrent at the same time. 
Um, I, I don't think I don't think it's the content really of what Peterson is saying, so or the reason behind it so much is what he did um, and how he's continued to stand up for himself against this big, you know, uh, PC threat. So mm-hmm. also there are there are some excellent books uh, written about the tactics of going viral, you know, of, of basically becoming famous like this. Um, one of the most famous is Rules for Radicals by Saul Lindsay, which I yeah. have recommended back to this before, and I will continue, even though I doubt they're going to have read it. But um, very, very fascinating and informative. Uh, Alinsky is a is a devout pragmatist um, and really a, a horrible guy, but he was very effective at spreading uh, progressive ideas. And, it, and he's written down exactly how he did it. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's another book, uh, much newer, by a guy named Brian Holiday called "Trust Me, I'm Lying," and that's about how to manipulate the new media, um, you know, online blogs and, and news sites and stuff into uh, basically doing whatever you want them to do. Uh, and yeah. It's, it's really thing also. So I think if we could incorporate some of these things, you know, without sacrificing any of our principles. We're going to be much more effective as objectivists yeah. and, and spreading the philosophy. But, uh, but, Corey, I have to tell you, I think that we have to expect for a very long time that object, the objectivist you know, solutions will be less popular than the conventional solutions, and I think there are two reasons for this. The first one is that when people – you know, are, are, a lot of people are lazy and they want canned answers. So mm-hmm. they, they want to be able to say, okay, I have a very specific situation, situation, and I want a canned answer that will immediately tell me what I ought to do. And objectivism mm-hmm. very openly doesn't provide that because what, you know, you're in a very specific situation and you're looking at Lestrade or any objectivist book, there is yep. no specific answer. I mean, there's a very general answer, which is follow reason, which is true. You have to, you have to, you know, make decisions according to reason, and that's true. Yep. But that's still not the same as a specific canned answer. It, it gives it's a pre, no the true solution. Fo- following reason is a prerequisite to the solution, to yes. your specific solution. But not, you know, it's not a, a micromanaging, you know, step by step. Yes. Set of instructions. Yeah. So, and yeah, it's not people, saying, yeah, it's saying to think, you have to think. It's not telling you what to think. And a lot of people, people are just, well, okay, I, I, I'm thinking, what do I think? <laughs> you know what I mean? So, so a lot of people say, well, objectivism doesn't give me canned answers, so it has failed. It's failed. It's shallow because it, it, it's not micromanaging. It's not some micromanaging stage mother always telling me what to do. So right. objectivism is a big failure. It's shallow. That's often what people say to me. There's well, a second I, reason. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. The second reason is that objectivist proposals are not familiar, and a lot of times when people are feeling down or they're feeling insecure and they want advice on how to live, they don't actually want a solution. What they want is to participate in some kind of ritual. They want to participate in some kind of ritual where they go through the motions of looking for a solution. So. So they go to someone like Jordan Peterson or Ben Shapiro who gives a very conventional answer that they've already heard before, and they say, oh, yeah, I've heard that before. 
but but no, I should I should have taken it more seriously. And that's true. Like with mm-hmm. um, like with um Ben Shapiro's um proposal on how to deal with um, you know Me Too, and sexual harassment. You know, waste it. You know, so he's talking about how the whole Harvey Weinstein thing, right? So he's talking about the whole Harvey Weinstein thing. And he says, you know, all these men are very are in these positions, and they're they're leches. So what do you do to not be a lech? You have to be, you know, you have to be like an Orthodox Jew or a Christian and say, no sex before marriage. You know, that that's really mm-hmm. a canned answer. Yeah. And of course, no one's going. No, hardly, hardly anyone is going to abide by that. But people just want to have this canned answer. They have this very familiar solution. They want to participate in this ritual, so they say, "Oh yeah, it's, I've heard that before. This time, I'm, I'm going to stick to it." Same thing with, same thing with Jordan Pearson. Like Jordan Pearson, Jordan Pe- I, I, you know, it really disturbs me how like one of Jordan Pearson's twelve rules on how to live is stand up straight. And I see all yep. people on Facebook saying, "Wow, that's so profound." So, yeah, and, yeah. and I want to scream, "What do you mean that's yeah. profound? It's something your mother told you. Your, your mother yeah. says stand up straight, and you want you want to react as if this is something original and innovative? No, this is participating in some kind of ritual where you're going back on old advice and pretending that's new." Right. Can we go back to the part where like you're a latch if you're not married? <laughs> What was that? that that's Can you go back story. to the part where apparently you're a lech if you're not married? Well, yeah, I mean, that that is seems to be a very common theme among the conservative movement now, even among the alt right. The alt right is there's something wrong with you if you're single, especially if you're a woman. The, the whole alt right is saying that um, the woman's job is to get married and have children, and of course, and it's better to do that when she's young. So. You know, you better do that when you're young or you're, you're going to end up a bitter old maid. I mean, that's pretty much every Stefan Moni video. Yeah, I have noticed that about him. <clears throat> yeah, he's very yeah. yeah. Exact opposite of what I've kind of, like, how I sort of structured my family. Um, yeah, but, you know, I it's Stefan Yeah, I mean, it's just like, I mean... I'm not saying that everyone should do exactly what I did because that would be total contract dropping. But, you know, I, I deliberately got my PhD first and, and got a good job because I wanted my kids to be proud of me. I wanted them to know that I am I'm not just their mom. I'm a scientist. I'm this, you know, I'm, you know, the attempt is to be a whole person you know, so they can have a role model who's a whole person. And I certainly didn't want them to think that my life began, you know, when I became a parent because I don't want them to think that until they become a parent, they're not alive. Like, if that just, what you just said, you know, Stephen, whatever his name is, like that makes less than no sense to me. Well, you know, that's why yeah. I think that something that some psychologists say about romantic relationships also applies to um, having children, where they say, also, I've heard psychologists say, you know, that Jerry Maguire, I really hate it when, when Tom Cruise says, you complete me. You know, that, because the implication is that 
you're oh, not you're you're not a complete person until someone else you know romantically has to affirm your worth. Yeah. You're no one until someone loves you. And no, yeah, that you have to be complete like... on your own. You have to be complete yeah. even if you're not with anyone. You have to be complete. And I think that also yeah, I think the whole like you complete me thing sounds like a recipe for codependence. That's not going to lead to happiness. But that, that also applies to children because a lot of the alt right seems to be saying you have to say your the implication is your kids have to complete you. You know, you're you're not wow. A that's codependence with someone who's not even an adult. I mean, that's you know again not a genius on these things, but like, you know, asking a child who's just starting to build their own soul to build yours too, that's not fair. Yeah. I mean, does that sound way out of bounds? The same thing with, the same thing with uh, uh, romantic relationships, I think applies to children. You have to be a complete person first. That's what, a prerequisite to being a really good, responsive partner. Same thing with a parent in child rearing. The best parents are already complete before they become parents. It doesn't mean they have, you know, I'm not saying they have all the answers. They're not, they're not omniscient, so don't, so don't be like a Ben Shapiro and make a, some kind of straw man, because I'm not saying they're perfect or anything, but, but being a, a good parent is contingent upon you know, having self-confidence, being a complete person, knowing what you're about. And, and, and yeah, and it, and it requires moral ambition, right? The ambition to be the best, not only the best person you can be and the best scientist you can be or whatever you, you do, but also the best parent you can be. I, I've definitely noticed that with a lot of parents is that their their principle is not let me be the best parent I can be. Their principle is let me not do what my parents did that annoyed me, which I always found to be a really strange approach. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> it, and it depends on your your parents where you you know how how you were raised too. I mean, like I think my parents made a lot of mistakes, but they were young too, and, and I, I part of the part of the whole thing was with with me and growing up was hey. It was the whole, you know, you know, uh, because I told, because I said so kind of a parenting is kind of where I was for the most part, you know, when I was younger and stuff, it, you know, it, it was, it, whatever it was, but I want to be, when I, with mine, I, I want to be able to explain, you know, where I'm coming from on things, you know, to, to, to make sure that they know what it is uh, that I'm saying clearly and that I'm not just saying things just to just to get them out of shoo them out of the room, kind of a thing. I want to be able to explain what it is I'm saying to them. I don't know if I was someone yeah, was trying to jump that, in. You know, I mean, that that sounds really good. I mean, <laughs> you're. Yeah. I am definitely way more of a parenting noob than you are, Corey. But um, I I like that. Yeah, I, I just oh. think you know that that's the worst is to do what I say or just you know just do what I say because I say it that kind of thing you know just uh, you know that kind of stuff that 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 turned me off you know and you know oh. I didn't need objectivism to figure that I'm sorry go oh, ahead so may I read a short short excerpt and ask for your opinions on it sure 
Okay, so so David French writes for National Review, and he wrote writes a lot of essays that are very similar to Ben Shapiro's, where he says, you know, if you if you believe in either you, either you swear off sex before marriage, or you're a lech, like in your Harvey Weinstein, you know, those are the only two mm-hmm. options. So this is how he concludes. Um, quote: Raise a boy to live for himself with a sense of entitlement, because that's the same thing, you know. If a boy lives himself, he feels entitled, the same thing. And he will often yeah. unleash that enormous inborn energy in the most destructive ways. But raise a boy to live for others with a sense of obligation that same yeah. energy can build a nation and sustain a culture. Unquote. Uh, yeah. I just, I, I don't, I hate that. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> Yeah, I, I just, I, that, that just bothers. It just hit, you know, it just hits my ears so wrong. It, uh, it just, it just doesn't. It's just not right. It doesn't make sense. It, it, if you, if you have any self worth at all, you know that that you, what you're doing is what you want to do, and what you know, it, you know, it, it's just so wrong. I, I just, um, I, I don't know. I, I, I still, I, I hold firm, and I, I know you guys agree, but. Doing things, you know, being the most productive person that you can be is, is everything else flows from that. Yeah. You know, you help people, but it's not the primary. It's not the primary that you help people. It's that's just a consequence of you helping yourself and you creating and doing and making all these things and, and to hell with the society and doing it. It's just, it's just, yeah, it's, it drives me crazy to hear that. It just hits my ears so bad, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, is that all Happy you had Valentine's on that article? Day, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Happy Valentine's Day, guys. <laughs> we, we're not. Uh, you could say, you know, uh, a lot of people like bought lovey-dovey on Valentine's Day, I guess, and I don't know. I think I don't know. Sometimes I guess. Romantic romance is kind of in, uh, you know, romance seems to me like there's Ayn Rand writes about romance between, you know, like we talked about Dagny and Reardon and that, and, and it's, it's a different kind of romance to some people that just think you, you, you love, you just love, and it doesn't matter. And, you know, you just love people and, uh, there really is, you, you know, you can't really explain it all the time, you know, and it's like, no, there's really an explanation why you love people and there's value there and there should be value there. Uh, and it's just, you're not just throwing your love away. It's not a self you know, sacrifice to, that, to love someone just because you're supposed to. And no, you have to earn it. Like I said, and you know, you can't just be a, a louch or a lech or whatever. Uh, and, and, just expect to be loved because you know that's just the way things are supposed to be. And, you yeah, know, I, I mean, again, this is not my really my wheelhouse, but I sort of think that if if someone asks you why do you love this person and you can't give like a really profound, long-lasting answer, it's probably not going to last. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there should be there should be some value to that person and. Um, you know, yeah, I, so you I, know, if you're feeling if you're feeling under the weather on Valentine's Day, is that being lovesick? <laughs> oh, you did not. Yeah, I I did. I went there. 
<laughs> hey guys, can I can I go off on a tangent real quick? Okay. Yeah, go for it. Alright. Um, so unconditional love is something that I I think for whatever reason in society today is considered like the ideal form of love. Whether it's romantic or not romantic, but uh, it's unconditional. And I want him to love me unconditionally. And I think that's one of the more horrible, insidious ideas uh, about love that exists today. And, and yeah. It's, uh, it's saying that love is unconditional is the same as saying that it's valueless. Um, that it's love despite not being something not being of value. And it's not like, yeah, and, and it's not like every waking moment, and I, I'm stealing this one from Iran, not every waking moment is going to be pure bliss, right? It's not, and that's not, <clears throat> that's not what, you know, we, an objectivist would, would think or, or people who are into the philosophy would, would say, because it, it's just not true. You know, you're not everything, you know, you're going to have ups and downs and you're going to have, um, times where you're like, ah, uh, you know, I got to get away. And, and, and that's okay because, you know, again, you, you, you know, you are human. You, there are things that, that, uh, that are going to bother you. To, uh, you know, it's going to be, you have a bad day and you're going to, you're going to clash on things. And that's, so it's not going to be perfect and it, it never will be. And, you know, even you know, Ayn Rand's relationships weren't perfect. It's not like, you know what I mean? So, the thing is, is that, you know, you should, you should, to love is to value, you know, a person. Uh, and, and uh, I, I think that, um, you know, that, that you have to, not that, like you're going to not be able to, you know, or, are, are you there? That's so weird. Yeah, you know, just to piggyback on what Corey was saying, I, I love what he said about, um, you know, being a valuer, like a lover being a valuer. And and I, I just want to, you know, I mean, I instead of saying I want someone to love me unconditionally, I wish people would say I want someone who's a valuer to love me, who sees my value even when I'm sick and there's that weird, like my nose is all red from blowing it, you know, <laughs> And like, even then to look at me and, and see my worth, you know, that, I mean, I think that's a much more beautiful kind of affection than unconditional. Like, even when I'm a rotten person, they put up, you know, <laughs> does that make yeah. you the slightest bit of sense? Well, well, I have seen that, that, uh, it's, if you can't handle me at my worst, you don't deserve me at my best. Um, and, man, what an attitude that is. <laughs> so, oh, that's a fake, fake quotation that's... falsely attributed to Marilyn Monroe all over Facebook. They keep oh, really? seeing teenage no. girls. No. And they say, you know, dash Marilyn, Marilyn Monroe, but she never said that. You should not love someone because of their of their character flaws. Uh, you should love them for the reasons that are worth valuing. Um, you know, most, if not all of us have, have, uh, 
mistakes that we make morally and flaws and things that aren't perfect that we'd like to change. But what matters is the parts of you that are there to value. Um, and also what matters is that you recognize those in yourself, value them yourself, and try to freeze them and try to fix the flaws that, uh, that you see in yourself. Yeah, it's strange. This idea of, like, loving someone for their flaws is bizarre because I'm pretty sure those are going to get in the way at some point. I mean, you know, my my – I guess my archetypical example is Bridget Jones's diary, which is not at all like my beloved Pride and Prejudice, right? Bridget Jones has no self-control. You know, she, she's not very good at her job. She, you know, like, there's she's not – really very good at anything and that's why the like hot rich guy loves her I mean she has no self-control I can imagine a lot of ways in which that's going to dissolve a long-term relationship just as an example um that's is that crazy oh, I'm sorry no I was just going to ask I mean is that a crazy thing to think that loving someone for their flaws is sort of doomed it, it's it's not healthy. This is a, that's the second Renee Zellweger movie to which we've objected today because the first one was in Jerry Maguire. Tom Cruise says, "You complete me to Renee Zellweger." Yes. Yeah, yeah, I don't know what she's trying to do here. <laughs> but but you know you know the most devastating thing a relative ever said to me was she said, "The only reason I love you is that we're related." Because the way you're behaving, I don't respect at all. I can't respect you. Blog Talk Radio. I don't respect at all. Welcome to Blog Talk Radio. Please hold and you will be able to listen to the show. Okay. Hey, 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 hey,